Good morning, Real Life Church. Man, it is great to be here this morning. So excited that we can get together and share God's Word this morning. I appreciate Pastor Tim giving me the opportunity, and I appreciate you all being faithful to be here this morning. One of the most difficult things to understand in our Christian faith is when we step out in faith, we, we take that leap of faith, we take that big step of faith, and God does not respond the way we expected. Anybody ever been there? You took a step of faith, and man, it just didn't turn out quite the way you thought it was going to. And, and when that happens, when God doesn't respond the way that we think He should, it can create a crisis of faith in our lives. We find ourselves in a situation where we just don't understand what God is doing. It's, it's a crisis of faith. And today, we're going to look at a family in a crisis of faith. Someone that they loved was about to die. And when things started to look really bad, they sent for their friend Jesus. These people were personal friends with Jesus, and they sent for him, they said, hey, we need you to come. But as we'll see today, he did not respond quite the way they expected. And we experience that in our Christian faith from time to time. We experience those times when, when God just doesn't respond the way we thought He would. So let's look this morning to begin with in John chapter 11. John 11 verses 1 through 3. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now now let's put ourselves in this story. This family is in panic mode. They're in total panic mode. Lazarus was about to die. Their brother Lazarus was very close to death when they sent for Jesus. Now we have to understand, in these days, there were no hospitals. There were no ERs. There were no walk-in clinics. There were no EMTs. And WebMD would not be invented for another 2,000 years. So they really had very little in the way of resources. So they said, okay, let's look to the one who can do miracles. Wouldn't it be awesome to have had Jesus be your friend in a time like this? I mean, this was, this was a guy who could do incredible miracles with just a word. He, he'll come, he'll make Lazarus better, and everything will be good. They, they didn't seem to have any doubts. They're like, Jesus, we need a miracle, and we need it now. But look at Jesus' response in verses 4 through 6. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days in the same place where he was. Now, it's, it's obvious from this passage that Jesus 
is not the least bit panicked from the news out of Bethany. He's not the least bit panicked in this. And if we learn nothing else from this passage, if there's nothing else that we take with us from this place today, it should be encouraging to us to know that when we're in a crisis of faith, Jesus is not. When we find ourselves in that situation where we're in that crisis of faith, Jesus isn't up there going, oh my, oh my, what? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. No. He understands our crisis of faith. He knows the details about it. And he is not the least bit panicked by our situation. It's obvious. It's like Jesus was saying, hey, your situation looks hopeless. For Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the situation looked hopeless. But Jesus said, I see things on an entirely different level. And this morning, we may be in a crisis of faith ourselves. It's very possible that someone here this morning, or everyone here this morning, is in or has faced or is going through a crisis of faith at this time. God, I just don't understand what's going on. Man, how many of you have been there? Where, where there's a situation, you're just going, God, I do not understand what's going on. I, I, I've read, I've prayed, I've looked. This doesn't match what's going on in my life. God, what's going on? And his message to us is, keep believing in me. You can't see it, but there are things happening on an entirely different level. This is what he wants us to know. I will turn your crisis into my glory. There's going to come a time where I am going to turn your crisis into my glory. Just keep believing. Keep trusting. We may be taking some blows from the enemy. But this sickness, this this crisis of faith is not going to end in death. And when God is done, it's going to be undeniable that He has been at work in our lives. It's going to be undeniable. We're going to have that, wow, it's going to happen. How many of you like scary movies? Now, it, it, it's, it's okay to like scary movies. This is a safe place. How many of you like scary movies? Yeah, good, good. All right, how many of you like Freddy Krueger? Freddy in the house, yeah. In our our town back in Homer, Michigan, where I grew up, out in the cemetery, not too far from where my mom and dad are buried, if you walk down the road a little ways in the cemetery, you'll come across a tombstone that literally says, Fred E. Krueger. And, and when I walked by that first time, I just, I looked at it, and I looked at it again, and I just expected, just, just the claws to come up through. How about Michael Myers? Any Michael Myers fans in the house? Yeah, I see a few here and there. Yep, Michael Myers is it. Oh, how about this one? It. Yes. How many of you are afraid of clowns? It's okay, it's a safe place, yeah. 
I so wanted to figure out a way today just to have a red balloon floating about this high right here through my whole message. It would have been, it would have been awesome. I mean, that is, that is a scary movie. How about this one? The Sixth Sense. Now, it's an older movie, but this was probably one of the scariest movies I've ever sat and watched. Because you're watching this little boy, and, and, and he's going through just different situations, and when all of a sudden it got a little dark, and, and, and it started to get cold, and he started breathing, and you could see his breath, you knew in just a couple seconds there was going to be something as scary, I mean, it was going to happen. There, there were going to be ghosts. And he'd start breathing, and the music would get quiet, it's like, ah! I mean, it was, it was a scary movie. It was, it was a tough movie. Now, how many of you remember the main line from this movie? Main line from the movie, he said, I see dead people. I see dead people. That's what he would say when he was talking to the, the psychiatrist and he's working with him. He says, I see dead people. And the guy's like, what? He's like, yeah, I see dead people. And that's kind of where I want to take off with this this morning. We see dead people every day. We see dead people every day. We see them at the mall. We see them at work. We see them at the restaurant. We see them at the gas station, in the grocery store. We're surrounded by dead people every day. They're alive on the outside. But something inside of them is dead. I see dead people every day. And so do you. Maybe when people look at us, they see dead people. Something inside of us has died. A hope, a vision, a dream. And this morning, I want to show you from God's Word how just like Lazarus, God wants to bring that back to life. This morning, we're going to look at three different characters. They're all alive on the outside, but something inside of them has died. And maybe we can relate to one or another of these in our own lives. This morning, some of us are dead in our doubts. Some of us are dead in our doubts. John, John 11, verses 7 through 16. It says, After that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit, 
Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Lazarus unto them plainly, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So after two days of not being panicked, Jesus was ready to go back to Judea. And the disciples were like, hey, wait a minute. That, that might not be such a great idea. Jesus, think this through. Lazarus is dead. There's nothing you can do. And they want to kill us there. They are waiting to kill us back there. And Jesus is like, and? It doesn't matter. I've got things to do, and we're going back. I'm not panicked in this. I'm not worried. We're going back. So Thomas, possibly being a little sarcastic, said, Yeah, it's a great plan. Let's go back. We can die with him. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just all go back together, and, and we'll all die there. Can you, can you see a little bit of sarcasm there? Jesus, that's a great plan. Now, as far as Thomas could see, things were not good. Lazarus was dead. Nothing they could do. And we're about to go back where they want to kill us. So things were bad, and they were about to get worse. Now, some of us can relate to Thomas. We're dying on the inside with a very real spiritual battle. There's a a struggle going on inside of us. We want to have that faith. We want to be there. We want to be that guy that says, Jesus, if you're going, I'm going. But the reality is, it doesn't quite look like it's going to work out the way we want. Some of us can relate to that. Even though we know Jesus is there, things don't look good. And we don't expect them to get better anytime soon. There was a story told about a little boy who was just terrified to go down into the basement. Probably because the clown from It was waiting there in the basement for him. But he was was just terrified to go down in the basement. And mom had a big shelf down in the basement where she kept all the canned goods. And one day, mom said to the little boy, I said, honey, I need you to go down into the basement and fetch me a can of corn. The little boy goes, mom, you know I'm scared of the basement. I'm afraid to go down there. And and mom said to him, son, you know that Jesus is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Son, Jesus is in the basement too. The little boy walks over to the door, opens up the door to the basement, goes, Yo, Jesus, toss me up a can of corn. (laughs) You know, just because we know that Jesus is there, we know He's never going to leave us, He's never going to forsake us, just because we know He's there, it doesn't mean that we always feel like He is. 
there are times when we just don't feel like He's with us. But our faith cannot be based in what we feel. We can't base our faith off of how we feel or what we feel at any given time in our life. Our faith has to be based in what we know from the Word of God. And the Word of God says, He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Even if things aren't working out the way that I think they should, He is never going to leave me because God's Word says He is always going to be with me. But in those times of doubt, when we've prayed, maybe for years, and heaven is silent, honestly, we begin to wonder, God, are you there? God, are you there? I know you have the power to do something about this. Why aren't you? Is it, is it you? Is it, is it me? God, why won't you answer? God, why won't you answer? And as a result, we die a little more in our doubts each day. Then there was Martha. Man, some of us can relate to Martha. Martha was dead in the delay. Look in verses 17 through 21. Then when Jesus came... He found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Four days. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. When Martha, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. The problem for Martha was that Martha was a fixer. She was a fixer. How many fixers in the house? If there's a problem, you have to be the one to fix it. Yeah, several, several fixers. That's good. Martha was a fixer. And when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. There was an issue. Lazarus was already dead. Now, how many of you like the movie The Princess Bride? Princess Bride is awesome. So, for those of you who like The Princess Bride, you know that there are two kinds of dead. Okay? There, there, is, there is mostly dead. And according to the wizard, if someone is mostly dead, there's, there's still hope. But then there's really dead. There's really dead. Now, Lazarus was really dead. After four days, they could be pretty sure he was really dead. And when Martha came to Jesus, she was like, what took you so long? What took you so If you had come when we asked, Lazarus would still be alive, but now it's too late. How many of us have ever scolded the creator of heaven and earth? Jesus, what are you doing? Do you ever stop and just think, when we talk to Jesus, 
talking to the creator of heaven and earth. And here comes Martha, and she is telling him off. I, I mean, stop and think about that. Does that show how loving and patient God is with us? Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He could do that. But no, he's loving and he's patient with us. Some of us can relate to Martha all too well. The delay sounds like this. Lord, I've been trying for so long. I've been trying for so long. I go to church. I read my Bible. I go to small groups. I tithe. I give to missions. I serve faithfully. And nothing is working for me. When we're dead in the delay, the silence from heaven is suffocating. When we're doing everything we're supposed to. Everything we read in this book, we're faithful, we're obedient, we're passionate in our service. And heaven is quiet. It can be suffocating. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Martha was dead in the delay. And then there's Mary. And honestly, Mary is probably the toughest one of all. Mary was dead in discouragement. John chapter 11, verse 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met Him. But Mary sat still in the house. We're probably all here at one time or another. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet Him. But Mary just sat in the house. Can you feel her discouragement? Can you feel her discouragements? It's it's too late. Why even bother? Why even bother Jesus with this? It's too late. Dead and discouragement is a tough place to live. And the reason is, when we're dead in discouragement, we're not really living We're just existing. That's all we're doing. We're trying to get by from one day to the next. We all see people who are dead in discouragement. We see them all the time. I've tried to overcome this addiction, but I just can't. I prayed. I went to this class. I got counseling. I tried really hard, and I failed again. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to be happy. Everyone else is. I'm not. You're blessed. God answers your prayers. It just doesn't work for me. How many of you know someone that can have a need? They can pray, Lord, my car needs a new radiator. And I need... $242.39. $242.39 to replace the radiator. They get up from praying. They walk out to the mailbox. They open the mailbox. And in the mailbox is a check 
for $242.38 from a utility bill they overpaid on three years ago. One penny short. They go, God, penny short. And they start walking back to the house and a bird flies over and drops a penny on their head. I, I, we know people like that, don't we? I mean, it just seems like these people can pray and God just goes, okay, here you go. And we pray, Lord, I need $242.39 to fix my radiator. And we get up from praying and we walk to the mailbox and find that our property taxes are going up $800 next year. And that overwhelming discouragement sucks a little more life out of us. Let me ask this. What's dead in your life right now? What area of life is filled with doubt, disappointment, or discouragement that's sucking the life out of you? In just a quiet moment, I want you to name it. In your heart right now, I want you to name it. God, I am struggling with this. I'm tired of waiting. I'm discouraged. And honestly, I just want to walk away. What's dead in your life right now? There's one verse we need to plant firmly in our minds before we walk out of here today. Before we leave this place, we need to see this verse and we need to believe it with all our heart. John chapter 11, verse 5. It said, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. Does Jesus love us any less than he loved Thomas, Martha, Mary, or Lazarus? And the answer is, of course not. Of course not. He loved us just as much as he loved them. And when we're in doubt, when we're in the delay, when we're at the point of total discouragement, there's one thing that we must always remember, and that is that Jesus loves us. We need to remember that. When, when the night is dark, when things are quiet, when we're struggling, we need to remember, hey, He loves me. I want you to repeat this with me. I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I want you to say, Jesus loves and insert your name. Just, just, just say it right out loud. One, two, three. Jesus loves Mike. All right. Now, some of you have just affirmed very well that Jesus has a somewhat affectionate view towards you. All right, he, he likes you at least a little bit from what I heard. I want you to say it like you believe what the Bible is telling you. One, two, three. Jesus loves Mike. Okay, some of you are about halfway there. 
Let's try this. Are you really excited about the fact that Jesus loves you this morning? I mean, you got up and you came to church. You're here in church this morning. I'm assuming you did so because Jesus loves you and you kind of love him back. All right? So I want you to do this. On the count of three, everybody stand up. Maybe, Maybe you just need some exercise and some air in your lungs. I want you to get this this morning. One, two, three. Jesus loves Mike. Yes, very good. You got it. Have a seat. (laughs) You know, the, the miracle that we're looking at this morning that's about to take place, raising Lazarus from the dead, was quite a contrast to the first miracle that Jesus did. The first miracle, Jesus was at a wedding, and he turned water into wine. Man, incredible. What a time of celebration. This this was much different. This was a completely different situation that he was in. In this situation, there was a lot of crying going on. Look in verses 32 through 35. It says, When Mary was come out to where Jesus was, she got up and she left the house and went out to Jesus. When Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, And the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. Now think about the irony of this. Here is the son of the living God, the son of God. He is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew what was about to happen. He knew he would very soon say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus would walk out of the grave. And yet, he wept. He was crying. Why? Why was Jesus crying? He was going to raise his friend from the dead. Why was he crying? I believe he was weeping because the people he loved were hurting. And that hurt him. He saw the people that he loved and cared about. They were filled with sorrow. Their hearts were broken over the situation with Lazarus. And it broke his heart as well to see them hurting. Now let's apply this. Where is Jesus today? The scripture teaches that he's high, he's exalted, he's sitting on the right hand of God the Father. He's making intercession for us. He's praying for us. And I believe that when we're really hurting, when we're really struggling with doubt, when we're discouraged, I do not believe that there is any question that Jesus is moved, maybe to the point of tears for us, because... He loves us that much. He loves us just as much as He loved this group of people who were standing around Him heartbroken and He wept for them. 
And I believe that when we're heartbroken, when we're filled with discouragement, when we're struggling, it moves Him to the point of tears where He prays for us. You know, some of us are like the people in this story this morning. We're in that time between death and the sorrow of death and the glory of resurrection. We're waiting. We're waiting. We don't see the solution. And the doubts and the discouragement are very real. In those times, we need to remember that God's delays are not God's denial. When Jesus got the message about Lazarus, the man that he loved and cared for, he was about to die. When he got that message, he waited two days before heading down to Bethany. There was a delay. Earthly speaking, it looks like Jesus just didn't want to do anything. Matter of fact, in one of the verses it says, hey, couldn't this man who does miracles have done something for Lazarus? But his delay was not his denial. Lazarus died, but he lived again. So God says, be patient. There are a lot of things happening on a different level for God's glory. Look over in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. As a Christian, you were once dead in your sins. Now you're alive again. If you have breath in your lungs this morning, God has a plan for His glory in your life. Man, you need, you need to nail that down. If you're still sucking air this morning, God has a plan for His glory in your life. And it's a great plan. Look at what Jesus said as soon as Lazarus walked out of the grave. As soon as Lazarus walked out of the grave, John chapter 11, verse 44. Let's jump up one, 43. And he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus said, Get anything that resembles death off of him. He is not dead anymore. Anything that resembles death, get it off of him. Let me ask this this morning. What resembles death in our lives? What do we need to remove so that we can live the way God intended. Maybe the lesson to us today is take off anything that resembles death. Stop dressing like a dead man. Stop thinking like a dead man. 
Stop living like a dead man. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have an abundant life. Not a life filled with doubt. Not a life filled with discouragement and frustration. He wants us to have an abundant life. The kind of life where we have joy on the inside, even when there is no human reason to have joy on the outside. He wants us to have that kind of life. The same Spirit that lived and raised Lazarus from the dead lives inside every one of us as Christians. Lives inside every one of us. Jesus came to this earth so that we could live, so that we could have an abundant life. And He wants us to know that all things are possible with God. Now think about this. If four days in the grave was not an issue with God, what chance does doubt, delay, and discouragement have against Him in our own lives? Four days in the grave, no issue. I think he can probably handle my problem. I don't think he's going to struggle with what I'm struggling with. He's not at all panicked by it. He's going to work through it. We see dead people. But as his children, we're not dead. Because when God shows up, he makes dead things live. When He shows up in our lives, that thing that was dead, that thing that we never thought we would find joy in again, He's going to make it live. And we want to know when. That's our big struggle, isn't it? I believe He's going to show up. When? When is He going to show up? When are things going to change? When am I going to be done with doubt, delays, and discouragement? And the answer is, when it brings Him the most glory. That's when He's going to show up. As soon as it will bring Him the most glory, and we stand amazed and say, that could have never happened without God's direct intervention in my life. Praise the Lord.